Hi and welcome to Let's Listen with Kieran Breen. My name's Andrew Ward and Kieran's here with me again this evening. How are you, Kieran? I'm great, Andrew. Thank you. And we've just stopped recording a very special episode of the podcast, our season finale, and we had a very special guest. Who was it? The guest was myself, interviewed by the wonderful Andrew Ward. And we, we, discussed, we discussed my journey, I suppose. We discussed my book and we discussed various different challenges associated with teenage life. Now, this is the final episode in season one. We'll be back in the autumn after a small summer hiatus. But uh, for the final time this series, this is Let's Listen with Kieran McBreen. And this is Kieran McBreen. Why don't we start with what we do on every show? And Kieran, why don't you tell me your why? We're trying to encourage people to get their story out there, get their challenging story out there, and, and for listeners to hear and resonate with this challenge. And then listen to the resources, listen to the strategies, listen to the tactics used to overcome the particular challenge. We call it Let's Listen for a reason. And the whole idea here is that I sit back as the interviewer and I simply listen to the interviewee and I let them talk. So often, we're just not present in the conversation. So often, we're, we're engaged in the conversation, but we're not actually hearing what the person is saying. We don't give them the space they need to express themselves. We have an answer to their problems. We have a solution to their problems. We have a better story. And many times, people just want to be heard. They do not want advice, they do not want guidance, they do not want to hear a better story, they simply want to be listened to. And we need to be present. And that's what we're trying to create with our podcast, is a situation where somebody comes on and talks and talks and talks uninterrupted and they're comfortable to express what they need to express. And we really want people to connect with their story and hopefully it will help the listener out there. But you're a busy man, Kieran. You've got you're a mindset coach at Swiss International. You've got a wife. You've got two small children. You've got all the things that go along with daily life. Why? What's your motivation for doing this? Why are you? Why did you write the book? Why are we doing these podcasts? What What drives you? I want to give my family the best. I want to provide for my children and my wife. I want to be able to give them what they need in life and, and more if possible. You know, I want to be successful. I'm extremely driven. You know, I worked extremely hard to get where I am. It didn't come easy. My school life was tough. I didn't do very well in school. And because of that, I had to go the long way around university. Um, I was not a good learner. I did not do my homework. I did not work hard in school. So it's not a blame game. But in saying that, the system at school did not suit me, my learning style. It was a 100% exam and um, my memory is not so good. So for anybody going through this system, if, if you couldn't memorize the content, you didn't have a chance and I didn't have a chance. And I also couldn't relate to what I was learning in the classroom to real life. You know, all the stuff we were doing. Let's look at maths, for example. You know, the stuff we were studying in maths, the equations, the, all the different types of stuff that I haven't used in 20 years. It, this brings my passion for, for helping other young people through the system and through life. Because it's tough. It's a lonely place 
when you don't know. It's a lonely place when you're not good. Any any support that we can give children and teenagers today is um is gonna help them get through it. You know, I use the phrase lost students. I was a lost student. Many of the people I know went to school with me were lost students. And I was lucky that I got into a local vocational course and I started studying about sport. And from reading books about poetry or whatever it was we were doing in school that I could not relate to, I immediately felt felt a connection with what I was reading. I wanted to read. So I went from, you know, somebody who had zero interest in school and learning to somebody who's now curious. And within months, I started achieving good grades. You know, I, I found a new life within myself, a new belief in myself that I could learn. I needed that connection, that engagement. I then went from there on, on, on to two more colleges and universities and I eventually got my dream job in London as a PE teacher. And um, I've been very lucky along the way. I've met some great people who, who taught me many skills and who developed me. And this is, this is where I am now, you know, and I, I contribute my, my, where I am today to, to my hard work. Without a doubt, I worked extremely hard. You know, I still remember in Chester University coming off the flight from Dublin into Liverpool, down to Chester, going into a house full of four English boys who I never met in my life sitting in a horrible house in the attic bedroom, completely lost. Now, don't get me wrong, university is a great place and it's a great time, but it wasn't easy leaving home, leaving my family and my friends and, and my sport. You know, my football was very important to me and leaving all that behind was tough. So my point on that is that I worked hard, I committed fully to myself, to my own development. But also I do contribute where I am now to some great people along the way I've met. You know, I, I not name names, but, you know, I've been blessed with some great people who who help guide me and support me and are just there when I need need them to be there. And I'm a great believer. And I do this with students and with parents. You know, I call it your allies where we look at the inner your inner circle and your outer circle. And we look at the skill set of these people and we think, how can, for example, if I use you here, you know, how, Andrew's on my outer circle. What skill does Andrew have that I can use today to overcome this challenge? I use a lot of the stuff I teach on myself. So, you know, my inspiration is to keep driving forward and be the best I can be, you know, is to, is to, is to do myself justice, do my family justice, do my friends justice, do everybody justice who's been part of my journey. So what then convinced you to sit down one day with your laptop or your pen and start the first chapter of Listen. I was on a course uh, just before COVID. So you're probably talking, I think it was November, December 19. And we had to tell tell our life story or a part of our life story. I hate those questions on courses. <laughs> <laughs> it was a public speaking course. Again, an area that I really need to develop that, you know, I'm still working very hard on. And this was the start of the journey. But anyway, I had to speak in front of a small, small audience about my story. And I said it, I told it. And the lady came up to me. She, she literally stirred me in the eye. And she said to me, when you speak from the heart, you've got a gift. And more people need to see this gift. And it left me quite shocked because 
it, it was a massive compliment. You know, she's seen something in me that I didn't see in me. You know, so that was, without a doubt, that was the beginning. That was definitely the beginning. But I always wanted to, I, f I find myself telling my friends, you know, how difficult it is as a teenager in today's society. You know, I might say, for example, oh, I was talking to a young lad at school today and, you know, he was telling me, telling me this, telling me that. And there's stuff that's not confidential. I wouldn't be giving away any names, but just to show how difficult it is, some of these stories and the kind of stuff that we're dealing with at school. And I always had it in my, in my head that more people need to know how difficult life as a teenager is. You know, the inspiration behind the book and the writing came from my experience in London and here in Dubai. But let me start with London, where I would find myself walking down the corridor and seeing a student sitting on the floor or sitting in the canteen and eating their lunch on their own. And I would just sit, sit beside them and I'd just create a conversation. And then they'd start talking and talking and talking and, and telling me what's going on. And, you know, it's heartbreaking, some of these stories. You know, in London, they were coming from difficult backgrounds. You know, it was people running from war. It was, you know, people who, who I suppose were on the, the lower end of the socioeconomic society. You know, school was an opportunity for many of these people, students, but it was also a place that many students didn't want to be. You know, we got lots of students who got rejected from many of the other lo local schools. You know, it was a tough place. I mean, look at my first day in this school, I said to myself, what am I doing here? And I'll not lie to you, I'll be fully honest here. The day I left, I cried. Five years later, I literally cried the day I left because you're having such an impact on these people's lives. And not just the children, the, the families. People who needed help, people who needed support. The amount of free school meal application forms I filled out for these students. And they were too, they were pr too proud to do it themselves. You know, I'd find myself filling out a school meal, telling a young lad, okay, we've got this set up. Your meal, you, you get a free meal today. No, sir, I'm not going. I said, you are going and I'm going with you. And I'd sit down and I'd have my lunch with them, for example. And so just creating conversation. I came to Dubai in 2012 and the same thing was happening all the wealth and luxury we have here in Dubai the same thing was happening students just wanting to talk many people want to talk Andrew if you just give them the space to talk a lot of the time they are just not given the opportunity to fully express themselves without interruption and I found myself here in Dubai doing exactly what happened in London sitting on the floor chatting to students sitting in the canteen chatting to students they wanted to talk you know, now the book is not about any of these stories that these students told me, but the idea, the idea of this is the same where I give a platform for, for teenagers to express themselves. I wanted more people to hear. I want parents to hear, to read and hear and, and, and feel how difficult life is as a teenager. I want to build a bridge for adults and teenagers to be able to understand each other better. As you know, we cover topics such as body image, bullying, distance learning, you know, grades at school, pressure from teachers, pressure from parents, all that kind of stuff. And lots of current topics, lots of challenges that teenagers today experience. And I respond to each, each chapter with one of my modules, my Student Wellbeing Warrior program. And the idea here is that the reader can get, you know, not the solution. I'm not going to say this is going to transform and change 
everything, but a potential idea of how to overcome that particular challenge, you know. Um, I really do think, well, you know, we've got a wonderful response, as you know, and I really do think that parents will read it and go, wow, is my daughter, is my son feeling this way? I want teenagers to read it and go, yes, I feel exactly like this person. I'm not alone here. This is how I feel. And then have a potential solution to overcome this. You talked about you're in London. You talked about you're in, in Dubai. I'm guessing that the themes that are in the book, so loneliness, body image, pressure. Now, let's put to one side, um, if you have enough to eat, money definitely solves that problem. But mo the money or the social standings that you, you meet of people here in Dubai, money doesn't solve those problems, though, does it? It doesn't solve the problem of whether you have a negative body image. It doesn't solve the problem whether you have pressure from parents it doesn't solve the problem of loneliness these are universal issues that for children and adults all over the world absolutely life can be tough and the reality is that the social media culture it gives an impression it gives an impression of of what we should look like what we think other people look like but the reality is it's not real but it's easy, it's easy to say it's not real, it's about believing that it's not real. I suppose 10, 20 years ago, you know, you'd open a magazine and you'd compare yourself to what you see in a magazine. Now it's constant, it's constant. How many times do people look at their phone a day? It's literally constant. So if you're comparing yourself to somebody else and feeling insecure, it's just, it keeps kicking you and kicking you and kicking you until you're just broken, until you're empty and it leaves you with no drive you know I don't know many people who are fully satisfied with what they have with what they look like everybody's got their demons everybody's got their pains you do not know what's going on in somebody's head you know in many cases it's a front I get children saying to me the whole time oh Mr McBrain you're, all, you're always so happy you're always so positive but uh, you know somebody has to be and I'm standing there as their, their, their teacher. And you're not a very inspirational teacher if you're standing there all doom and gloom. You know, but the reality is I'm not always positive within myself. I'm not always happy. I do have my bad days, you know, like everybody. I probably experienced my worst low recently. Not my worst low forever, but my worst low in a long, long time. Bizarrely, after the release of the book, I came down with a flu. I was feeling very negative. Um, I was really doubting everything about the book. It was quite sur surreal. I literally woke up the morning after the launch going, whoa, what are people thinking now? Who's reading it? Why is nobody messaging saying it's good? <laughs> you know, this paranoia, this <laughs> doubt. <laughs> And, um, and even now, you know, even now I'm thinking, oh, someone's going to find a mistake in it. Was that story strong enough? Was that response justified? And, and I, I have to snap out of it because I can't control it. So I'm learning. I'm still learning. But my, the reason for highlighting this is that I want to be transparent and say that, you know, I'm not always in a great place, although it looks like I am. I'm certainly not. But what I do know is, is that I use my tools and I use my resources 
And I would look at myself in the mirror and say, look, you've had a bad day today. It's time to sort it out tomorrow. You know, and I do sort it out. And sometimes that takes longer than, longer than other times. But, um, you know, I know what works for me. Talking works for me. Going to the gym works for me. Filling my bucket works for me. But the reality is I know what was wrong with me after the book launch. I was literally empty. I was running on empty. All the emotion. I was so happy with the launch, as you know. And I hit that peak. And then bang just running on empty and my body clearly collapsed my mind clearly collapsed and I had that self-doubt and we all have self-doubt and it's okay to have self-doubt but this is where we need to have a team of people around us to pick us up pick us up when we need it and this is why I'm so lucky to have good people in my life who who I know I can turn to when I need to I wanted to go back just to one of the comments you made around social media and about how it's all it's all we ever see and comparing ourselves to what we see on screen. You deal with this firsthand with your job at school and you've got children yourself and you have your own, you, you, you actively have to use social media as part of your, as part of the work with the book. Do you think in 20, 30 years time, we're going to look back on what we've done to ourselves with social media. We're going to look back and think, what exactly were we doing and what were we letting our children do? That's a great question, Andrew, and it's an answer I don't have. You know, what I would say is, I don't like it. People say to me, oh, Kieran, you're doing really good on your social media and it's great. You know, I hate it. I actually hate it. But I know I have to do it. You know, and this is a perfect example of, of me driving myself out of, out, out of my comfort zone. Because certainly videos... I really dislike doing the videos, but I know I have to. I have to be visible. If I want to be successful, this is what I need to do. I have to be hungry for this. The impact it can have is, is, is detrimental to many things. It breaks my heart to see my little two-year-old, Harry, grab my phone and, and know how to, you know, <laughs> swipe it. Get, get through your pin, yeah. no problem. You know? Swipe up, there we go, CBB's pin. I, I don't, you know, it doesn't sit with me. It doesn't sit with me. And, but why does he do that? Because he sees me doing it. Why am I doing it? Because I'm trying to, trying to be as good as I can at what I do. You know, so it's, it's a bit of a vicious cycle. The week leading up to the book launch, I looked at my phone. I was on it for seven hours one day. It's not just about making a post. In fact, I actually enjoy making, making most of the posts. But it's, it's checking. It's... Why is nobody responding? Again, that's self-doubt. It's, oh, this didn't do very well. This took me ages, this post, but I did a post yesterday. It took five minutes and it's got more traction. The reality is there's lots of luck involved with the algorithm. Lots of luck. But going back to your question, it can't be good. It can't be good to see everybody stuck on their phone. You know, you go into, you go into a cafe, everyone's stuck on their phone. You go into a, a staff room at work, everyone's stuck at their phone, on their phone. Now, don't get me wrong. I have a good example here I like to share with people. You know, you go into a cafe 20 years ago and people are reading a newspaper and having their coffee and it looks elegant. It looks classy. But now with a mobile phone, it just doesn't. It looks so antisocial. Yet, we're doing the same thing. We're gaining information. We're finding out the news. I, I do appreciate it's not good because it's too much. It's too much. And if us as parents are on it all the time, 
we're modeling behavior, modeling a negative behavior for our children to see that. So I don't know what the future holds, but it's moving at a very fast pace and I don't like it. Let's go back to the book for a moment. Um, so it's 20 chapters, 20 different stories, 20 different individual children. And it's available on Amazon and, and various different outlets, which we'll link to. But if, if you were to pick a chapter that you think speaks most universally, what would be the one that you would go to? That's a, that's a great question. And, you know, it, it's actually one I've thought of many times, which is my favorite story. Um, lots of them. It really, really is hard to pinpoint one. And um, if I think of the, the book launch, we, we looked on three of them. Um, there was Abraham's story, which was extremely lonely, extremely lonely. Abraham's biggest challenge was his mother. His mother just wouldn't listen to him, literally would not listen to him. He didn't have many friends at school and his mother was forcing him to, to hang out with people. You know, she was arranging playdates. She was buying presents for his friends who he didn't even like. And he was crying out for her, just, just, mom, just listen to me. But she wouldn't. It ended with him having some serious negative thoughts about, about his own life and his future and where he wanted to go and what, what he wanted to do. And he was just extremely lost. To, to, to flip that, we have Billy, who is a really successful guy, handsome, academic, but this was all on the outside. On the inside, he was broken. Again, he was lost. People couldn't see the real Billy. Billy's main issue was he had a bully called Jamie. And Jamie continued to give him a hard time at school, so much that he had to leave the school. And, you know, it's a perfect example of, of what people do at school to teenagers, how, how they can make it just so difficult for them. Can you imagine going into school every day, feeling like this, knowing that there's one guy, possibly more, a girl, who's just going to continually give me a hard time? And then just to throw in one of the, 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 the female stories, we Fatima, who had major issues with her body shape. And she was a large girl. And because of this, that she got called so many nasty names. And she literally didn't want to live anymore. And this was the hardest part of the book to write. A particular scene in Fatima's story where she grabbed a knife. And she tried to cut herself with the knife. It was really hard to write, really hard to write. But from a positive perspective, and something I do with all the stories, I, I try to twist, twist it at the end for some perspective. And, and a major transformation takes place for Fatima, where she starts using her body as a tool to be successful. And because of her success, she, she gains new friends and, and, and um, new circles. So um, every story is extremely touching, extremely deep. I, I really believe that many people can relate to most stories here. And it's not all doom and gloom, but it's just to highlight the, the pains associated with teenage life, you know. And the thing is, teenagers will, 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 will read these and, and resonate with it. But so will adults, because we were teenagers as well. And we will resonate with it. And a powerful story, one thing I learned from that course, is a powerful story is a story that you can make anybody relate to it. It's broad and it's touching that people can start internalizing this story and start thinking about themselves. And if people start thinking about themselves, 
the story has been a success. I read your book and I looked at, you know, the, the challenges that teenagers face. And I don't think I'd really want to be a teenager right now. You know, I, I laugh and joke with you, don't I, that, you know, they're all snowflakes. And people say this and it's nonsense. And you, you look at the challenges that they face now coming into the world. So high university fee, high education fees, the chances of buying a house is practically zero unless they inherit one or inherit money. The, you know, the, the gig economy, the state of the environment, it just doesn't seem like a nice place to be. Am I being like overly pessimistic or with the children that you teach and you come into contact with, is that their view on the world or is there still the exuberance of youth? I work with extremely privileged teenagers and, you know, there is pressure to be successful, you know, major pressure from home and from school. So, so many of my friends always use the term snowflakes when it comes to teenagers. And I get it. I do get it. Teenagers don't want to be, now again, this is generalization, you know, but some teenagers don't want to be challenged don't like to be challenged because they're not used to it. Now, I, you know, I've got two roles. One is a, as a mindset coach and one is a teacher. And at the end of the day, from an academic perspective, we need to get work done. We need to get results. Stretching, I always use the term, you know, your teachers will stretch you. A good teacher will stretch you. A good teacher will challenge you. You know, you hear the phrase, Oh, so but she's, she's picking on me or he's picking on me. I said, no, 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 no. No one's picking on you. Your teacher wants the best for you. If your teacher's not stretching you, not challenging you, they don't care. You want a teacher that cares. It's a phrase I use weekly, possibly daily, with students who may be sulking about, um, about a teacher, about me, you know, challenging them. But I'm a big believer of of challenge, you know, and I always, I always throw it back. I said, look, you challenge us too. I said, we're all the one here. It's not me, the teacher, and you, the students. It's us. And we're all here to be as good as we can be. We're all here to be, as, to be the best we can be. And, um, you know, we're in this together. And I'm a big believer of this kind of teammanship. We make it about us. You know, it's, it's something I do in the sports field with my with my football and basketball and volleyball teams and athletics, but also in the classroom setting. You know, there's lots of stuff that we can bring from sport into the classroom. But to, 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 to go back to your point, it's tough being a teenager. No matter where you are in the world, the demographics, there's always going to be a challenge here where we are extremely privileged children. Um, but they've got their own challenges, you know, lots of children here in Dubai, their parents may not be around. They're successful people who's busy themselves. Lots of students' nannies, you know, are, are supporting them at home. And that can be a lonely place too. If you haven't got dad to chat to, you know, I was very lucky growing up. I had, my father would, would, would bring me to Gaelic football matches and, you know, we'd watch football on television and stuff like that. And there's lots to be said for that. Whereas now, not every young boy or every girl has that. That family, etiquette, bond, relationship, connection, whatever you want to call it, 
it's essential for, for, for these children to have an identity, to have some grounding, some expectations. And if that's not happening at home, it's very hard for a teacher to, to drive this within the school, whatever school they're working in. It's very hard to, 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 to go from complete freedom at home, where maybe the parents are not around, to having to follow rules and expectations in the school setting. So whenever I get a student who, who is challenging about that, you clearly and other people would call them snowflakes. I do try and break down a news perspective to see that, okay, well, you know, they're just not used to this. And you know, this, this, this will take some time because conditioning anything takes some time and it doesn't always work. When it does work, it's great. Students can be very moody, <laughs> you know. <to laughs> teenagers, teen, teenagers can yeah, be very and moody. adults, I suppose. But um, you know, like you could get somebody come to you in a really negative frame of mind one day, and no matter what you say, you cannot change their mindset. And the next day, I saw how are you doing today? You know, big fist pump, and it's like, <laughs> where were you yesterday? You know, and, and, and that's, you know, and that's for, for at home as well for parents to realize that, you know, sometimes it's just not your fault and sometimes it's out of your control. So it's important not to take everything too personally, because um, if you do, you'd be looking within a lot. And many times it, it's not within. It's just something external that you can't control. And I think as we end season one, that's a lovely sentiment to end on it's been a fantastic series of episodes i've learned a huge amount just sitting here listening in the background just before we go as we always do the book is now on sale where do people get it from yep the book the hardback book is uh, is, is sold out currently but by the time this is out i'm hoping to have my new batch of books so we, we've seen great sales so the hardback book will be available in dubai just arranging distribution for the UK and Ireland at the moment, which is not is not very straightforward, um, but um, we'll get there. But it is available directly on Amazon and Ingram Spark and and many. If, if literally if you Google listen Kieran McBrain, um, it, it comes up on many different um, websites. So it is available directly online. But um, the hardback book is a aesthetically beautiful version. And um, if you're in Dubai, we can definitely get it to your doorstep. It's been a fantastic series. Kieran, on behalf of me and all of our guests, um, thank you for listening. And we'll be back in the autumn with Series 2.